What's my joy this morning to have Benjamin come? Benjamin is my own son in the faith. And um, just like you, it's just been an amazing thing for me to watch God work in his life. I never get over that. It's a joy when you hear somebody's made a decision for Christ. The thing that just overwhelms me with passion for God's word and, and for his work is when I see God at work in somebody else's life. You know, he said, the miracle of salvation is the same essence, 2 Corinthians chapter four, as when God said, let there be light, and there was an explosion, and there was light. And so I'm gonna ask Ben to come, and without telling you what chapter, you can follow along if you want. He's uh, quoting from the ESV. But I just want to challenge you. We're not saying everybody has to memorize books. I don't even know if you have that ability. But if you will hide God's word in your heart, it's what the Holy Spirit uses to give us strength and power and protection that we might be obedient, that one day we might hear from him, well done. It's his word because that's the food for our spiritual life. Okay, you follow along as, or listen as Ben comes and ministers to us. Ben. Good morning. <laughs> um, I'm still a little nervous, so... I have my Bible up here just in case I go blank. Um, so here's 1 Corinthians. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge even as a testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to be by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you 
except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, 
but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise for the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows of the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, 
before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? Father, we thank you for this precious church, for its people, for the gifts that you have given them. Given them. Now, Lord, I pray that I might be spirit-filled. Lord, that each one of us, as you speak through your word, might be equipped for every good work. Lord, that we might hear each one, well done, faithful servant. You did what I saved you for. You accomplished what I gifted you for. And then, Lord, we'll give you all the glory because it's your power, your grace, your peace in us. Amen. The gospel, the wisdom and the power of God for life. 1 Corinthians one twenty three says, 
We preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, Who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. You have the potential for God's wisdom in every single decision. But like the Corinthians, so many times we act like mere men and we slide back to our experience, to the opinions of others because of fear or maybe just because of ignorance. Maybe you think it's a verse in Scripture that says God helps those that help themselves. It is not. That is false. God is most glorified when we are empty of ourself and is his word speaking through us. When I started in the ministry, there was this great pressure in my life because I thought I had to be the answer man. And then it got really scary when I became a pastor and older people were coming to me and say, well, pastor, what about this? And so I'd say, uh, well, let me find out. Or sometimes I'd give them an answer and then I have to come back to them, listen, I told you this, but I've been looking at this Bible and, and this is really what you need to think. And then I began to realize God gave every born-again Christian the Holy Spirit. And though we need godly teachers in our life, we need no man to teach us so that if somebody comes to you and says, well, unless you teach, unless you hear from me, I mean, then you won't have all the wisdom because God has gifted me for that. Then you, you find a church like that, you run. God, God has gifted you with the Holy Spirit to grow, to be discerning. The reason this church had so many problems, and they had problems, this church had chosen special people that they identified with. We do the same thing today. We say, well, I'm a John MacArthur man, you know. Well, I'm a, I'm a Chuck Swindoll guy. I'm of Billy Graham. I have a Franklin Graham. I follow Alistair Begg. Or maybe somebody that you hadn't heard of. Maybe you say, I'm a Charles Spurgeon man. I'm a D.L. Moody man. It's very easy to go those directions. Years ago, I began to see that in my own life. John MacArthur's been a great blessing to me, so I began to go to Shepherd's Conference, and, and it was a joy. But what I began to see was there was a denomination forming that I didn't even know was supposed to be forming of MacArthurites. Now, it has nothing to do with John. It's what we do with other men's giftedness. So what I like to do instead of going to that or, you know, maybe a, just a certain persuasion, there's different conferences out there that you can choose and then they have all your guys kind of in one package. I, I would rather take our young men to the Moody Conference. Now I look ahead and see who's going to be there, but there's this breadth of godly men from different denominations and different callings. And I would rather see that because it encourages people that God has called you, he has saved you on purpose, he has gifted you on purpose to be you filled with the Holy Spirit, not like anybody else. Now, 
The thing that I gained, and we can all gain from John MacArthur, is that he is an amazing expositor of God's word. I use his texts and, and his commentaries almost every time I come to preach. But he's not the only one. The thing that encouraged me about John MacArthur was that I had to figure out he was John MacArthur. And you know what? I can't be John MacArthur. But God encouraged me that he can be John MacArthur filled with the Holy Spirit and you can be Paul Martin filled with the Holy Spirit. He called you on purpose. He gifted you on purpose with a call and a focus of ministry like nobody else he saved. That's special. The problem is we become like mere men. We begin to think, number one, well, you know, I was smart enough to choose God. No, you weren't. Well, I grew up in a special family, and that's why I was chosen for salvation. No, no. God told the Old Testament Jew, look back to the pit from whence God pulled you out of. Paul would say, I am what I am by the grace of God. But I have seen in the Christian life, as I try to minister to people, there is so much of the flesh in our Christianity. And I talk to people that are struggling, whether it's a financial decision, they're struggling in their marriage, they're struggling with the, their focus, with immorality, or whatever trial in their life, sickness, going through the death of a loved one. And I'll say, listen, we need to pray. And they'll look at me like, that's it? Pray. Aren't you going to do something? But if you could just talk to this person, then maybe you could influence them to help me, Pastor, because, you know, you're such a good salesman. There's only one thing I'm an evangelist about, and that is the Word of God. But Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. It's easy for us to pick personalities to follow based upon our personality. Well, I'm just like him. You know, we must be the favored. And they had all this sin in their church. They had immorality. So much so that they were allowing things in the church that the Gentiles would be ashamed of. A man sleeping with his stepmother. And the church is going, well, you know, we're spiritual enough. We can handle that. They couldn't even have communion and have peace. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, you call that the Lord's table? That's not the Lord's table. And he reinstituted the Lord's table and said, the Lord's table is about Jesus. What were they doing? Oh, they had a little segregation. If you were among the cool, you know, business, more money crowd, then they said, hey, listen, we're bringing this dish, you bring that dish, because they had a love feast. It came from the apostles. They, they would eat together, which is awesome. And then at the last thing, the cup of blessing, then they would have the Lord's table. But, you know, God had blessed them with their wealth because they were so wonderful and obedient. And these poor people obviously were still struggling with the flesh. So, you know, we don't want to get in God's way. So we, we really can't share. We might be hindering God's ministry in their life. So some were coming to the Lord's table being drunk 
and gluttonous. And other people were going away hungry and with obvious bitterness and anger in their heart towards those that wouldn't share. No, bitterness was their choice, but you can understand why. It'd be easy to make that choice in the flesh. There were business people in the church that were suing one another and taking it to the public courts. Immorality, greed, and yet, and yet in the second verse of chapter 1, he calls them saints. Saints. Now, in our day, we kind of think of saints like the Catholic Church does. Well, that's people that really have just, you know, they've, they've really demonstrated great character and, and godness in their life over a period of time. And, and so now we call them saints normally after they have died, if you can attribute a couple miracles to people praying for them. That's the epitome uh, against what Paul is preaching here. No, no, no. This is an amazing thing. What he wants to tell you is you have been saved and what you have in Jesus Christ is supernatural. So quit walking and making decisions and living like you're just humans. You have the life of Christ. You have partaken of the supernatural power of Jesus Christ. You don't have to lean on your own wisdom anymore. And the first verse, I mean the first verse points this out. Paul, called to be an apostle by the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. He said, well, you know, you can read those openings. Okay, that's who's writing the letter. I guess Sosthenes is helping. No, listen, if you go back to Acts chapter 18, you see the story of Paul and Sosthenes and how Paul begins his ministry there in Corinth. Now, normally, everywhere Paul went, here's the pattern. He would go and find the synagogue. He always went to the Jews first. And then if there wasn't enough men to have a synagogue, a quorum, then he would go find the place of prayer where the women would meet, the Jewish women, and he would share Christ. And then normally, some of those Jews would get saved. And oh, they were so happy because it looked like this was just a continuation and they were understanding more of God's grace because now Jesus had come to save the Jews. But then, Paul would share with Gentiles and Gentiles would get saved and then there'd be a riot and then Paul and whoever he's with was Barnabas and Silas, he would be beat, thrown in prison and then leave town and go to the next place. Now, we begin to think, you know, Paul was just this extraordinary, really skin of steel, heart of iron kind of guy. Go ahead, beat me. I don't care. But there is this little verse that's right there after he begins his ministry there in Corinth. He's starting his ministry. People are getting saved. And so he's thinking, thanks, Lord. Good. You're at work. Okay, here it comes. And you just get a little... Look into the heart of Paul because the Bible says he, God sends an angel to speak to Paul and say, Paul, I don't want you to be afraid now. Nobody's going to lay a hand on you. Now, if he'd hold a, told, told them the whole story, he says, I've got a beating for somebody else this time. Now, you understand that Paul was a terrorist against the church. A terrorist. Before he got saved, after Stephen 
was stoned to death, and he was the guy in charge of the stoning, and he was just a young man. And he took all the credit for that. And that just fed his lust for blood. He left there, and it says, and so Paul went everywhere, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the church of God. And it looked like Paul could maybe bring, or Saul, as he was called before, could bring the end of the church. He's going to snuff this heresy out. And all the Jewish people, they said, well, we're not all terrorists, but we're really glad we got one, right? But God. I love Ephesians 2, where Paul is writing, and he said, We were all children of disobedience. We were all going our own way. But God, in his great love with which he loved us. Oh, what a verse. Paul or Saul had his plans. And he was was full of himself and destroying the church. And then God met him. On the road to go throw some other Christians in jail, see some other Christians be persecuted, and he stopped him with a great life. Paul didn't hear the gospel when Stephen died and say, Oh, wow, I never thought about it before. But we do hear in Paul's testimony when Jesus says to him, when you know he strikes him down on the road and he can't see, but he knows. Something supernatural is happening. And he says, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. When you were driving an ox and he was pulling for you, you got a sharp stick. And when you wanted to slow down, you just give him a little push. Now we have electric ones, right? And God would poke him with the truth of the gospel. And Paul would kick out in rebellion. And when God decided in the fullness of Paul's time, he said, that's enough, Paul, you're mine. And he saved him. Well, Sosthenes of the same ilk, everybody, I'm sure, around the, the known Jewish world had heard of Paul and his tremendous conversion. And the story in Acts 8, 118 A believer has his house next to the synagogue. And the leader of the synagogue, Crispus, gets saved. He starts following Christ. Sosthenes must have been next in line. And he says, well, enough of this. Maybe I'm God's servant to be the next terrorist. I'll take care of this. And so just like all the other times, Wherever Paul went, he begins to bring a rabble and he starts a riot. He says, this man causes people to follow God against God's will. And he causes a riot. So they drag Paul before the proconsul. And the governor, because of God's tremendous providence, decides... He's heard about these Jews and the trouble they make all the time. And Paul's been around long enough that he probably knows it's not Paul. That's not the problem. It's this leader of the Jewish synagogue, Crispus. 
and says, hey, listen, you're not going to make this a civic matter. This is just for you Jews to figure out. I don't care about this. And Sosthenes was beaten right there. They turned on Sosthenes. Now, we don't know if it was the Greeks that turned on him or whether it was the Jews that turned on him for being such a limp-wristed prosecutor. But he was beaten right before the proconsul, and the Bible says there, and the proconsul, the judge, cared nothing about these things. Well, you got what you deserve. You want to cause trouble around here, you get what you deserve. Now, not only has he taken a side against Paul, but he stirred up a riot and he has laid down his blood for his cause of against the gospel. You think there's a wall against hearing Jesus now? Oh, yeah, but I want to tell you something. No weapon formed against God will stand. The Bible says in the Old Testament, do not be afraid of their faces. What does that mean? That means as you share the gospel with your friends or loved ones, yeah, get out of here, never tell me that again. And don't pray for me. You don't have to listen to that. God's truth is the hammer that can break those rock-hard hearts to pieces. And the testimonies of his grace are going to shine like the stars forever and ever of those that were rebellion against God. Who is that? That's every person that was ever born was a rebel against God. What you have in your hand, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we preach not ourselves. Mm -mm. We preach Christ. It's his message. It's not about us. Sometimes you might see someone and you say, well, they're just really gifted. And I, and I think it's a wonderful thing. If you're just starting out in evangelism and you invite somebody to church, do it. Invite people to church. But listen, if you know Jesus Christ, you have, to, you have your story to share with them how you came to know Christ as your Savior. It's not your story. It's a story about God. So don't be ashamed to share that. That's not a bragamony, except for it's a bragamony about God, not about you. The power of God. He starts out with these two names of people that we would have thought, they're never going to get saved. I mean, they hate the gospel. So we look at countries like Germany and say, well, you know, they're so hardened. What can the gospel do there? I've had young people tell me, well, I know David's going, but you know, as far as I'm concerned, Germany already had their shot, and, they, and they, you know, they, turned their, they turned their back on the gospel. Who had their opportunity? Who had their shot? The people that are dead now? Sam goes to St. George. Oh, well, that's going to be a really, really hard place, you know. Don't look at men for provision, for sustenance, for power, or for the potential of salvation. It's not in there. So that's going to be a really hard culture to minister to because they're so religious. Hey, who is more religious and more hardened against Christ than the Apostle Paul? Hmm? We need to get a hold again once more that what we have is the power of God as as, as, uh, Jason and Gretchen consider Scotland. 
the place that used to be known as the land of the book, and now it's hardened. And you just can't plant churches there, and people just aren't going to get saved there because they're hardened. They're no more rebellious than you were in your sin. But we begin to think it's about us and our, our ability to, con, to, to convince and talk people into. We become idolatrous just like these fleshly people here in Corinth. Because he goes on to say in this first chapter, I'm writing this to you at Corinth, those who have been sanctified in Christ, okay, Saints by calling. You are a saint this morning if you belong to Jesus Christ. And if you're still wrestling with sin, he's, oh, this sin is so powerful. I just keep getting caught into it, you know. I just trip and fall. No, you don't. Your focus is your own pleasure and your own joy, and you choose that on purpose because you refuse to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, biblical counselors, let me tell you something. Let me encourage you in something. Don't be afraid to let people fall right on their face, right back into the slime of their sin. You know, you have a child that just keeps disobeying. And you have a mother that says, but I know he's a good boy, so don't spank him. You know, I think he's going to be okay. And you never correct him. Listen, the Bible says, God scourges every son he receives. Hebrews 12, not you, it's not your job, that's God's. And we can tell people the gospel, but then don't try to hang fruit on them and, and you know, protect them from God's hand. Oh, if I don't counsel with them every hour and just be there, oh, they're going to fall, let them fall. They don't belong to you. You may be getting in God's way. Some of you wives... You say, well, you know, my husband's just not going to do the right thing, so i got to do the right thing for him. Duck and let God hit him. Sometimes we're just afraid we're going to find out that they're really not believers. It's easy to come to church on Sunday and live in the world and, oh, what will happen if I find out they're not a Christian? Now you'll know how to pray. But if I stand in their way, they could do something very violent. God's not afraid of that. God's not afraid of their sin. And you can't fix them, you can't straighten them out, but God can. I think Paul probably had a heart for Sosthenes. So when he got beat, I don't know if he's like me, he's like, ooh, God, what are you doing there, man? He's really going to be against the gospel now. And the Lord says to us, really? Watch this. You have the power of the gospel and what Paul is telling these people. Why are you distracted by these different leaders and being factious? Those leaders aren't factious, but you're becoming factious because you think, you begin to think that you're the one that was so smart to choose the gospel and get saved because of the preaching of so-and-so, and you have such a wonderful taste. You follow this one, you follow that. Oh, and I follow Jesus. Jesus isn't divided. Paul goes on to say in the next verses, listen, you got the same salvation I did. The same salvation Sosthenes did. There's not different kinds. There's not different flavors like Catholic salvation, Baptist salvation, Presbyterian. There's not different kinds. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all. So if that's true, 
whether there's a decision about a church, decision in your life as a, as a family, there's really only one decision, isn't there? It's God's decision. And that wisdom is available if we're willing to find it. God's not divided. Now, Paul wasn't saying, listen, I'm not for baptism. Some denominations have sprung around and say, we don't baptize because Paul said he didn't come to baptize. It's not what he's saying. He said, I don't want you following Paul. You follow Paul as I follow Christ, but, but you weren't baptized in Paul's name. Paul said, this one thing I do, preach the gospel, live the gospel. He continues on, he said, you have this, every giftedness for speaking, for service, for ministry, God has gifted you as a church, you have all the giftedness. Don't be distracted by other people's giftedness, like somehow they got something you can give. God may gift people different, but they have different responsibilities. Don't be factious, don't be divided. Then he goes on to talk about the wisdom of God. Listen. You weren't saved because you got smart enough. He says there in uh, verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. See, what does that mean? God didn't want it to be a natural thing for a person to follow Christ. Sometimes you think that. But I've explained my testimony and listen, the drunkenness, your immorality, your anger, it's going to kill you if you don't stop. So look at the logic of the gospel. And we should lay out the gospel as clearly and simply as possible. But it's not about the wisdom of the world. They can never understand it. And that's why when you have a child that's going astray or a friend or a spouse, the most powerful thing you can do is not call up a Christian counselor. I don't care how good the Christian counselor is. And I love the fact that we have people that take the word of God and they apply it to people's lives. That's biblical counseling. You have a Bible? Just take the Bible and tell them what God said. That's it. But the most powerful thing you can do is not find an expert person that's so good at couching things biblically and then put it on them. The most powerful thing you can do is pray for them. Pray for them. My method of counseling, sometimes in the past, people have called me the samurai counselor because, you know, you bring the sword, say, whoosh, that's it. I got nothing else. Because I don't. I got nothing else. I'm not going to try to talk you into it. What we're going to do if you come to me, we're going to find out if you're really a Christian or not. And if you're willing, if you are, you're willing to submit to God's word. That's the end of it. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. People come to me over the years and say, Pastor, you know, I have a deep problem and I need to spend some time talking to you. And so if it's a woman, I say, well, you meet me on Sunday morning. Well, it's going to take a long time. Why? Are you going to lie to me? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> well, we'll find out. It won't take a long time. I guarantee it. Okay. So they come to me and we sit here in the front in a goldfish bowl. Everybody else can see what I'm doing. I said, well, tell me what's going on. And you see people start by telling the, the fruits of their sin they're experiencing now and how bad it is. 
And I've been listening long enough that usually we can try to get down to the root. I said, well, here's your problem. Take him to verse of scripture and say, boom, there it is. What are you going to do about it? And then I might pass them off to another godly woman and say, here you go. This woman's having this problem. I've given her this instruction. Take it from here. Oh, the pastor doesn't care about me. He's just so quick and short. No, no, no. I have given you the best medicine I can give you, the word of God. Now, if you're not a believer, we're going to find out because that won't make any sense to you. Whoa, stop. Aren't you going to spend time to make me feel good about trying to be obedient? Nope. Not my job. Not my job. Mm -mm. And I can try to prop you up and we can meet daily and really get into all the psychological reasons why, you know, and your mom and your dad. Mm -mm. Your, Your rotten husband. What does God say? What you need is the grace and the peace of God. Grace is the power and the desire to do the will of God. And peace is the supernatural confidence that you can trust the word of God and you can follow him. And that you have a faithful creator who will always do what's best for his glory, your protection, and your success. Paul says, listen, you didn't get saved by my wisdom. God came to destroy the cleverness of the wise. And he's chosen the foolish things. Look look where you came from. Really be honest about where you were before you were saved. You were foolish, ignorant, and rebellious. Yeah, that was you, remember? Remember? God chose the foolishest things of this world to confound the wise. He chose, he chose the weak things to confound the things that are mighty. He chose the base things, the lowest things. He chose things that were nothing, that he might bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh would glory in his presence. Not about you. Not about you. It's about Jesus and the amazing, powerful gospel of his substitutionary atonement that he was crucified on the cross. He took the wrath of God for you. He accomplished all your salvation. You accomplish none of it. Father, we thank you that you love us that you have chosen us out of the pits of rebellion. And Lord, we have nothing that we can glory in your presence, but Lord, how often we slip back to pride and self-protection because we just don't trust the supernatural spirit you've given us. You don't trust the supernatural word of God that you've given us. We just think we can bless ourselves better than you can. And Lord, we can't. Lord, in every church, there are the roots of destruction. In every one of our lives are the roots of destruction of the ministry that you are doing. Lord, protect us from ourselves by filling us with your word and your grace that we might stand in confidence, that we might be empowered 
to be a reflection of your glory, of your holiness. And then, Lord, we'll give you all the glory because we know it's you at work in us, both the will and the do of your good pleasure. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing together.